cow bones. Cow bones are real popular. I'm Lisa Morehouse, and this is California Foodways. I'm traveling to every county in the state, finding stories about food, agriculture, and the people that make both possible. Today, I'm taking you way up north, just below the Oregon border in Siskiyou County to Prather Ranch. Some of the most coveted steaks and burgers in Northern California come from here. The beef is humanely raised, all natural, dry aged, and tasty, and it costs a pretty penny. But I found out the most valuable parts of an animal coming from Prather Ranch might not be the filet mignon or the New York strip. From a distance, I could swear that I'm seeing a pasture full of cows wearing earrings. All right, here we go. But as rancher Mary Rickert drives closer, I can see each animal just has colorful tags dangling from both ears. We're coming out into this field. It's got about, probably about 250 mother cows. Mary tells me the numbers on the tag tell a quick story, where and when every animal was born. A computerized system notes every field they've ever grazed in, if they've ever been sick, stuff like that. After just five minutes with Mary, I can tell Pray the Ranch is a business, sure, but it also just feels like the manifestation of her beliefs, her values. Organic pasture land, solar-powered buildings, a lot of properties and conservation easements, which means there'll be open space and cattle ranches forever. I'm sure that our grandchildren 30, 40 years from now will say, well, why did they do that? But people need to eat, and so we want to be the producers that provide that product. And then there's the way cows end their lives at Prather Ranch. When we pass by a fence where a few cows quietly wait to enter the slaughterhouse, Mary says, The cattle are um, very much part of our lives. It's very hard for me to realize that this is, you know, their final moments. But she stands by the way these animals are slaughtered. So I put on plastic booties, a rubber apron, and a hard hat over my headphones and head in. We'll just go in right now, if you're ready. I'm ready, okay. yeah. There we go. This is the first slaughterhouse I've ever been in, and I'm expecting a big offensive odor, but it mostly smells like wet cement. The seven workers here constantly grab hoses hanging down from springs. And they move around each other and the four animals on the kill floor, almost like a dance. Each is at a different stage in the slaughter process. So just on the other side of that panel, is the animals knocked unconscious. The throats are slit. They have to be bled out. Then they're laid on this cradle. What are you doing right now? I'm skinning the beef. They're moved on this trolley, and then they're hung here. You split the, the front of the cavity. The, all the entrails, the, the stomachs, and all the organs are, are removed. Then two workers cut the carcass in half with a saw. That's when Emily Rosecrans takes over. With perfectly painted nails, she trims off imperfections from the carcass. I look for hair, feces, um, bruises, pretty much anything that I wouldn't want to eat on a carcass, I, I trim.
turn that off there. The on-site USDA inspector looks the carcass over from top to bottom and gives her the go-ahead. And then um, I spray it with vinegar, which is a natural antiseptic, so it stops the growth of any bad bacteria. And helps stop E. coli before it's moved into a cooler. I meet Mary's husband, Jim, away from the main action. And what are you doing over here? I am boning out the cow head. You kind of have to know how an animal's put together so you can take it apart. He puts all the meat he says he wouldn't feed to his grandchildren on one tray. That'll be sold as pet food. And the really good stuff goes on another tray. I mean, I know people love beef cheeks. There's a nice beef cheek right there, and that, uh, it goes down to a restaurant in San Francisco, and as I recall, they, they sell a dinner there, beef cheek dinner for $75. I've never been able to afford one, but I, that's what I hear. The people in this room work carefully because of USDA standards and Jim's grandchildren test, but also because they'll be selling parts of these animals to companies in the biomedical field. The hides, for example, go to make a purified collagen solution used in cell research. And bones, some have been made into screws for things like knee surgery. Cow bones are real popular. Like there's the one company that takes them and makes all this stuff for dental work. Grinds them up for fillings. Another company is researching ways to regrow human bones from our own cells, 3D printed onto Prather Ranch cow bones. Pretty strange science, but really fascinating. And, you know, we like doing our part of it. If we're going to take the animal's life, I believe that we have a moral obligation to utilize the animal as much as possible. First, it's good business, but it's good morals. Companies come to Jim and Mary for lots of bovine parts. We've done all the way from pituitary glands to eyeballs to uteri to pericardium to tendons. In some ways, this is nothing new. Certainly, indigenous people around the world have used plants and whole animals for medicine as well as food. And in Western medicine? There's clear evidence of people using bones from pigs and stuff clear back in the 1700s. Not very successfully, but... You know, you've heard of cat gut before. Well, I think that was one of the things that was used at times for, for suturing. Almost 40 years ago, Mary and Jim weren't owners here. They came to manage Prather Ranch when it was a conventional operation losing money. So I shrank the herd down to about 250 mother cows. We just didn't buy replacement females. We kept them from the herd and had been doing it for a long time. Creating what's now known as a closed herd. All animals in the herd are born within it. No new ones are introduced. At the same time, two things were happening that, on the surface, seemed to have nothing to do with each other. The first, an animal health scare. Mad cow disease was really uh, developing into a real serious health crisis in the United Kingdom and Europe. The second, a beauty trend, dermal fillers. That's the ladies with the puffy lips and all that sort of stuff. Remember the pillowy lips of actresses in the 1990s? That filler came from collagen injections that came from cow hides. And an old friend of the Rickards, an early pioneer in collagen dermal fillers, knew that Prey the Ranch had a closed herd, which made it much less susceptible to problems like mad cow disease. He knew he could make a cleaner, safer collagen with their cow hides. So he called them up. And I remember going, really? You know, puffy lips wasn't exactly in, in our uh, primary life goal at that point. But the Rickards wanted to keep the ranch going. 
That collagen company built them a slaughterhouse on site. Eventually, biomedical companies came knocking for cow parts, too. Now, Jim won't tell me much about the financials here. Uh, well, like I say, we've had times when the, the medical device side of it produced more gross revenue than the meat did. The companies that buy from Prather Ranch sign confidentiality agreements. One exec I talked to, whose company turns Prather Ranch cow hides into collagen for cell research, cancer research, 3D bioprinting, he told me Prather Ranch's hides can cost him thousands of dollars more than those from other sources. Collagen for full lips got Prather Ranch started in the byproducts business, but the records tell me they only sell cow parts for medical use now. Things like this femur bone employee Craig Holbrook is showing me. This would be the knuckle end and this is the hip bone. I'm gonna cut this piece off and leave a little bit of the marrow bone. Then double bag the bone. One bone per bag. And send it through a vacuum sealer. Remember those tags I saw on the cows in the field? The ones that look like earrings but tell a whole story of where the cow lived and ate its whole life? That animal's number goes right on the label. So you spend a lot of time checking and double checking. You package them up and put gel ice on them and, and it goes out FedEx and it's usually there like the next morning. From up here in remote Siskiyou County to San Diego, Florida, Brooklyn, I eat meat, and I've had a Prather Ranch steak. It's a real treat. But this place wasn't known for having high-quality beef until after they started selling byproducts for pharmaceutical and medical use. Mary Rickert tells me once they set up systems here to meet the FDA requirements and the needs of all the biomedical companies. I turned to Jim and said, well, now that we have this slaughterhouse, we're going to have to develop the very best beef product that we possibly can. Mary says they DNA test bulls specifically for genes that increase the likelihood of marbling and tenderness in the beef. Before I leave, Mary walks me to the knock box, where cows get knocked out by a stun gun before being moved to the kill floor. She points out a quote by the animal behaviorist Temple Grandin, who advocates for humane slaughter of livestock. The quote speaks to the sacredness of the place where an animal dies. So I wanted... Uh, to put that over our knockbox so that we always remember that this animal is giving its life, not only for food, but to improve the quality of life for people uh, for medical reasons. She says she wants everyone at the slaughterhouse to reflect on that. That's it for this episode of California Foodways. The story was reported and produced by me, Lisa Morehouse, and mixed by Gabe Graben. It first aired on KQED's California Report magazine. The theme music is by Takanobu. We received support from FERN, the Food and Environment Reporting Network, and from California Humanities, a nonprofit partner of the National Endowment for the Humanities. You can learn more at calhum.org. Subscribe to California Foodways on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow CA Foodways on social media and visit our website, californiafoodways.com. <laughs>